Judges 17:5. We want to talk about the problem and the answer to the problem. And we on Thursday nights we've been talking about purpose and the process of reaching your destiny. And so when God identified a purpose, or how about if he identified a problem and then he and then on purpose he created like in in uh, Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, for example, the Bible says, Jeremiah, before you were knit together in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I called you to be a prophet. So before he was ever, in other words, when he was still in heaven. Now, John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1, verse 9, says that Jesus lights every spirit that comes into the earth. So you may have been born illegitimately in but you weren't. God deployed you. And if God deployed you, he deployed you for such a time as this. If he wanted you 100 years ago, he's God. If he wanted you 50 years ago, he's God. He destined for you to be here now. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm getting up in age. Don't, you can't use that for an excuse because Moses didn't begin till he was 80. Jesus went for 30 years being trained before he did three and a half years of ministry. So, so there's no way out of this. You were deployed here. And I have, I have people talk to me sometimes. I'm called the four-time ministry. Yeah, yeah, you already are. And how you're doing what you're doing right now is determining how fast the process is working in your life. <laughs> you know? And so God identified a problem in our day, but he has a solution. And you are... You are that, you're not the problem, you're the answer to the problem. And you can't do it. Isn't that good news? But the problem in society today is on the screen. It's also mentioned again in Judges chapter 21 and verse 25, the same thing. There's because people have no authority, recognize no authority in the land, they do whatever's right in their own eyes. And it started with my generation, but it's really grown to the you know to the full now. But I remember when Jonathan Cam was preaching, he said that he said that you know in 2016, 2017, the last Jubilee, everything went to reset. And so you know, so the church is going back to the book of Acts, but the world's going back to pagan society. If you haven't noticed, and it's not, it's, and what's happening out there, it's, it's a fight over good and evil. It's got nothing else. It's not about skin tones or anything like that. It's just good and evil are duking it out because man is right in his own eyes. And so what's the answer to that? Well, I was hoping you would ask. That would be found in Romans 8 and verse 19. Aha. <laughs> We're live. I remember one service we had over on 110 Thorn Avenue. The power went off at the start of the service. Pastor Carlo and him did praise and worship. We sat up in the corner under the exit light, the only light in the building. And as soon as the service was over, the power was restored. But, you know, the devil's no match for you. He can mess around if he wants, but he's no match for you. But anyway, let's, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Because the problem began in a garden, and the problem ends in a garden. The problem began in the Garden of Eden, and it was ended in the Garden of Gethsemane. And for those of you that don't know, if you see a familiar path going to the Garden of Gethsemane, that's mine. But not only that, Paul the Apostle went there every day. He said, I thank my God I die daily. He realized that, you know, he had to be under authority to walk in authority. And let me just say this about submission. Submission is easy when you agree. It's not tested until you don't. And then one or two things will rise up, humility or pride. Yeah. So, so anyway, so in Genesis chapter 3, here's Adam and Eve, and uh, they're, they're, well, actually, if you read, we looked in Genesis 1 and how God created you in his image and his likeness, that was your spirit. 
And then in John chapter, and then in, in Genesis 2, rather, in verse 7, it says he formed you from the dust of the earth, so he gave you a spiritual body and a physical body. And then it talks in Genesis 2 about four rivers. Two of them were on earth, two of them were in heaven. And when you breathed in, you breathed in the air of heaven, you breathed in the air of earth because they were, they were, they were united. And the Lord would come and talk with Adam in the cool of the day. And, and when you think about it, the reason why they lived so long is because they were in the glory. But after the glory left, after 900, the, the further away they got from the glory, the quicker they died. But we have some good news about that glory, don't we? No, no, there's restoration involved in all of this. It's kind of like if you were a, like when he says in Hebrews 2.10 that he, the captain of our salvation made perfect through suffering, we talked about him, how he was innocent, just like Adam. He wasn't perfect, just like Adam. He, was in, he wasn't perfect because he was born of a woman. But he was totally innocent. He was without sin. So was Adam, until he made a decision against God and got himself into all that trouble. But he lost the glory, and we found that there was a veil put up so that he couldn't get back in. That veil shows up in the tabernacle and in the temple and, and right to the right until the, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord when the temple veil was rent. That separation ended there. But it's kind of like, like we had some... We had some trees blow over uh, in a, a nice storm back in the end of November. And when we were gathering them up to take them to the fire, they still looked like they were alive back in May. No, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you take a fish out of the water and put him in the bottom boat, he'll flip around for a while, right? And if you'll put him back in the water, he'll come back to life. And what God came to do with you and I is to put us back in the water. Because we were flipping around, not really living, flipping in the bottom of the boat. He said, I came to restore many sons, as many as want to be, back to my original intention for you. What was my original intention for you? It's found in Genesis chapter 3. I came and walked with you in the cool of the day. And when your prayer list was reduced to, oh, God, I saw that beautiful sunset last night. Oh, Lord, it was so beautiful, that sunrise this morning. Oh, I was eating some fruit from that tree over there. And wow, the taste of it, God, that was their entire prayer life. They didn't have any needs. They didn't have any wants. And my Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Therefore, what does my prayer life consist of? If I really believe Ephesians 1, 3, that he's already blessed me with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ, then I don't have a grocery list. All I have is some praise and worship. All I have is thanking him and, and thanking him for what he's doing in your life and, and uh, not, oh God, you know, because think about it, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, he said, I set before you this day, life and blessing, death and cursing, choose life that you and your seed may live. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue and they that they, they love it will eat the fruit of it, whether, whichever it bears, whether it's good or bad. So he's telling you, <laughs> he's telling you, you got it made. Amen. But now I just want to just look at a few verses in Genesis 3. Because verse 19, look at verse 19. He said, now, now again, remember when we're reading this, this is not a punishment for Adam and Eve. The, the pain and childbirth and all that, that's got nothing to do with God wanting to punish a woman because she ate a fig. It's got nothing to do with that at all. That's how it's been taught forever, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's saying, now you're going to live by the sweat of your brow. Why? Because before I supplied everything for you. Now you're going to become a slave to Satan, the one that you bowed your knee to, because you wouldn't humble yourself. Adam, Adam, where are you? Or why are you where you are? Adam says, I heard you coming, and I was ashamed because I was naked. What happens when a man falls from grace is he ends up 
in guilt, shame, condemnation, and those things will kill you. They kill people every day. People die every day from those things. And God said, I, 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 read, I, I, I don't want you to ever, come on, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I don't want you condemned. I don't want you ashamed. Paul the Apostle said in Timothy 1 and verse 4, I serve God from my forefathers. Well, we read his backstory. <laughs> he was a murderer. Come on. And he said, I serve God for my forefathers. And then when you get to Timothy 1 and verse 12, he says, I'm not ashamed. No shame. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 2, receive us, we've wronged no man. Now there is somebody that learned forgiveness. There is somebody that learned that the blood was enough. The blood was enough. Past, present, and future, the blood was enough. Here in Genesis 3, he's going to sacrifice some animals to cover them in skins. But when you think about it, think about the human being is the only creature that has to cover himself. The only one. Why? Because he lost his glory. The glory, if you could have seen them in the Garden of Eden, you'd have saw light beings moved around. They were created in the image. Did they have an earthly body? Yeah. Did they have a belly button? No, I don't know. But they had no shame. They had no guilt. They had no embarrassment. They knew their identity. But the identity thief came. He said, and now you're going to live by the sweat of your brow. Well, I know that's true. <laughs> Living illustration right now. And you return to the ground. And you're taken out and into the ground you will. You'll return. And then he goes on he's, and he tells them everything that's going to happen to them. But you've got to remember, he's not their Lord anymore. So don't blame God for what the devil did to people. Don't blame God for what's going on in the earth right now. He has a solution. Read Psalm 2. The Bible says that the nations rage and imagine vain things and talk ugly about God like they're doing right now. And he sits in the heavens and laughs and he has them in derision. He's not uptight like the church is. He knows it's all working out. Amen. So again, so he, he, put, he put up a, a veil, and then he put the cherubims. You can read it. When you read, if you read through the Bible in a year with us, you know what those cherubims are. You know where they were embroidered right onto the curtain in the Holy of Holies above the Ark of the Covenant. And their wingspan was 30 feet, 15 each way. These guys are big dudes. Not the ones on the Ark of the Covenant. I'm talking about the ones behind the Ark. I mean, you know, if you ever see an angel go, whoa. They're not wimpy little guys. And one angel can wipe out Sennacherib's army, 85,000 people in one night. Jesus on the cross said, don't you know I could call a legion of angels? You ought to be glad he didn't. He was hanging there for you. Amen. So what we see here is the veil went up because they have all fallen short of the glory. In Hebrews 2.10, he came to rescue. Maybe we should just, can we go there for a second? Yes. Verse 10. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things to bring many sons back onto his original intention, back to glory, and make the captain of our salvation. And that, another word for that is author. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. You could have used that word there too. Made him perfect or finished with him and made him complete through the things that he suffered. What did he suffer? It was in the Garden of Gethsemane. What Adam couldn't do, Jesus did. He said, "Not I don't want to take Gary Hooper's sin on me. I don't want to be separated from my father. And if there's any other way, take this come from me, but... Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I like to point out that, you know, those, that is, that's my attitude and your attitude as well. It's not my will, but, but yours be done. And that's why Paul the Apostle could write Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Little I moved out and big Christ moved in, right? So, so, so where are we going to go after that? 
Well, let's go to Genesis 31 because we need remember to define, redefine the glory. Because glory is substance. How many of you ever seen a glory cloud in a church service? How many of you ever seen um, gold dust or things on maybe like I remember one time I had it on my hands and on my on my jacket, and I remember making light of it and thinking, if you can't cash it in, what's the point of that? I wasn't mocking God. I was mocking what I thought was a fake sign. But now I realize that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word, and, and God wants to do some things in this day to get people's attention. And just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not right. And if somebody else wants to roll around on the floor while they're praising the Lord, it's not my job to judge them. If anything, I ought to get down and roll with them. Because maybe they know something that I don't know. But again, I, you know, we know that, you know, I, I, when we were coming in for prayer there, um, yesterday morning I had this conversation with God. I said, God, I was thinking about a couple that I'd ministered to a bunch of years ago, and we had had them on a Sunday afternoon on our back deck, and we really tried to help them not to make a wrong decision, but a few months later they did, and now their whole life is a disaster. And you don't get any satisfaction by saying, I told you so. But what happened? I said, God, why wouldn't they listen to me? This is what I heard back. Gary, if they wouldn't listen to me, why would you think they would ever listen to you? And then he said this in my spirit. I could anoint you today to feed 5,000 people. In other words, I could have you a church of 5,000 people today. He's God. He fed he fed 5,000 people with some barley crackers and a few sardines. It was a kid's lunch. It was nothing like when you see in the Bible school pictures. It was a little tiny, a kid's lunch, and he fed five. He could anoint you today to do that. But his goal, I'll tell you what his goal is in this hour. <laughs> I was thinking about a church. I, there's a church that I go to in Fort Worth, and um, they used to have three services on a Sunday, but they only need one now. Because a new church, a new mall opened up. A new church, new mall opened up down the road. And so all of the committed people went down there. And chances are when that happens, as long as you're getting what you want, but you might not be getting what you need, what God needs is 120 people in an upper room. He preached to thousands and thousands of people. And when it was all said and done, he had 120 people in an upper room that waited there 10 days and then got up out of there and rocked their world. And it's still rocking today because of what they did. So it's not about how many people, it's, it's how many people are serving, how many people are committed to this, how many people are realizing, I'm in full-time ministry, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. And, and my greatest part of my ministry is harvest. Amen to that. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> amen yourself. Okay. So, so Genesis chapter 31 and verse 1. Now, we know the story about Laban. If you don't know the story about Laban, you can go back a couple of weeks and get it. I think we shared it with you. But Laban had been stealing from Jacob, and Jacob was, Jacob was the double blessing guy. You are the double blessing guy, girl. For your shame, you'll have double. For confusion, you'll re rejoice in your portion. And in the land you'll possess the double, and everlasting joy will be upon you. you. Jesus took the curse so that you could, the the curse, the firstborn, so that you could take the blessing. He, God, made him to be sin who, for us who knew no sin, that he'd be made, what? The righteousness of God in Christ. So so the blessing came, and the, and it took him 20 years. But the blessing came. I don't know how long it's been, but the blessing is coming. Okay, so it says, it says here, it says, um, the boys were talking and they said, they heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all of our fathers, was our fathers, that which our fathers, he's gotten all this glory. And, and the reason why we keep going back to this verse is, is the word kabod, and it's the first place that it was used in the Hebrew language as a law of first reference, that everything is tied into it. So what, what he took from Laban 
was his very essence. Everything that he had possessed and everything that he was, they took his substance. The full weight of him was lost. And so when God said that he came to restore you back to glory, the full weight of him is what he wants for you to have. And you, Ephesians 2, 6 says that you're already seated in the heavenlies in Christ. So just like Adam lost that, but you've got it right now. It won't do you any good, though, until you get the revelation of it. And it's not something that you have to struggle for. It's something that you just need to fall into. Just need to make a decision to fall into it. The Lord was showing me this the other day. We, um, we had been preaching over on Picto Island. I don't know, maybe three years ago. And the church that we were preaching in, the Presbyterian church, they have a service once a year. No, no, so there's hardly anybody saved there. You know, they just have this ritual of doing a service once a year. And that year they picked me to come and preach. And so after I preached, I had a prayer line. And the first woman that I prayed for, when I got my hands up near her, she fell out on the floor. Like, but we're used to that, Right. Nobody ever saw that before. They screamed and stood up, and they, they were getting ready to run to the front to help her. What was that? That was the glory of God showing up. But what God is saying about that event is he wants you and I to live there. Not the pastor, the church, the glorious church. He wants you to exit. And, and why? Because... Isaiah said, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay, calm down, calm down. Okay. No, but you got to know that the glory of God is not only, it was on Adam, but it's in you and on you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Corinthians 3.18, being changed from glory to glory into the very image of him, where the spirit has liberty. He wants you to recognize that you walk in it every day. Okay, try not to get too excited about that. Okay, Exodus chapter 33. Again, we looked at this, but I just, I just want to peek at a couple of verses that we looked at before. Verse 13 of Exodus 33, Moses is saying, I pray, God, if I have found grace in your sight. God told him that he did, but now he's negotiating. Have you ever done that? I do it all the time. If I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you, that I might find grace in your sight and consider that these are your people. And I need your glory because these are your people. If you're going to ask me to do this, then I need to walk in the anointing. I need to walk in the glory of God to get it done, right? And so in verse 33, or chapter 33, rather, verse 18, he said, I beseech you now, show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious. This is a whole, you could write a book on these few verses right here. I'll be gracious and I'll show mercy to whom I will show mercy. He said, you cannot see my face for no man can see my face and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me upon the rock. Now, come on, Corinthians chapter 10 says the rock that followed the most Christ. So whenever you read this, you know that he's talking about Jesus, right? And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, I'll put you in Christ, put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand, and I'll pass by you. And you'll see my hand but in my back parts. And I really believe that what he's talking about right there is Moses wrote from Genesis all the way through the first five books of the Bible, and he wasn't there. But I think that he got the revelation when this took place. I can't prove it, but that's my thoughts on that. If you want to know what it... I don't get the idea that he said... So there's my behind, right? There's my back parts, although that would be glorious as well. Hallelujah. I'm not, <laughs> we'd settle for that. Hallelujah. But now let's go to our, let's go to our big verse, Habakkuk chapter 2, and verse 14. Because something, something in Isaiah chapter 6, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And when I read that, I'm thinking, Lord, there's things in my life that need to die so that I can see more clearly. In the year that King Uzziah died, 
So obviously the king was more important than God. Have anybody ever experienced that? That you don't realize it, but something has gotten... Paul, ever since I asked Stephanie to speak, I haven't seen her. Is there a reason? <laughs> Tell her we love her. We're not letting her go. <laughs> now, where did I, where was I? But yeah, so, Hezekiah, so Hezekiah, he said, then I saw the Lord. And he was, in other words, he was there all the time, but something, there was a veil in his way. But when the veil was removed, whatever the obstacle was that was removed, I saw the Lord. And he was high. And let me just say this. My Bible says in John chapter 13, he desires to manifest himself to every one of us. So don't think Isaiah was special. If you haven't seen him, go for it. He desires to manifest himself. And we live such paltry lives. That's why Paul the Apostle wrote in Corinthians chapter 3. Why are you living like mere men? You don't even understand what's available to you. But you're colonel and you're fighting and you're fussing with one another. And Uzziah is in your way. All of you and what your rights and your privileges is in the way. Let's talk about responsibilities while we're talking about rights and privileges, shall we? <laughs> to, to bloom where you're planted and serve God in good times and bad. What about that? Anyway, he said, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up in the glory cloud where the train filled the temple. And the angels, they saw the angels. He saw the angels. <laughs> and they were saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And every time they went around the throne, they'd come back again and they'd say, holy. Every time they went around the throne, they saw some new point, something about God that they hadn't seen before. That's what's available for eternity. We'll be looking. God says, I got rooms in heaven. And my father's house in many rooms. Hallelujah. Get in the healing rooms. Get in. Like there's rooms there that we'll be exploring for eternity. His holy presence. Anyway, the angels cried, holy, holy, holy. And he said, oh, just so glad to be here. No, he said, woe is me because I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips in a room full of them. Let the fountain be sweet. Bitter and sweet shouldn't come out of the same fountain. Amen to that too. Uh, <laughs> he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm surrounded by people of unclean lips. And then the angel took tongs from off the altar, picked up a hot coal, and laid it on his tongue. Just like James chapter 3, putting a bit in the horse's mouth so that you can, when you put a bit in the horse's mouth, all of a sudden he's got to shut up and, 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 and go where he's steered. <laughs> go where you're led. You're not going to lead God. He's going to lead you. And you won't always like it. And you won't like the people that you're with. If you like everyone that you're with, then you're not going to grow. There's nobody there to rub your rough edges off. It's true. And after, he, after that event, he said, here am I, send me. But then he said that the earth was full of the glory of God. So it gives me a time that I'm believing. I believe, I believe that the earth is full of the glory of God right now. But all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. But we need to get from verse 19 back to verse 14, where he said, as many as are led, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now make sure you're led. So then, so then we go to Habakkuk chapter 2, and verse 14. And he says this, he said, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory. And again, this is discernment. This is not just seeing or just recognizing from afar. This is a deep awareness of heart as well as a manifestation. So the glory of God will be seen in physical manifestations, but it'll be known by everybody. Because he said, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, you know, there'll be no, 
There's not going to be a whole lot of debate in those days. People are still going to go to hell, but it'll be a clear choice. Now, just a couple of pages over to Haggai chapter 2. Because some people have a problem with prosperity. And like I like to point out to you, I, I've eaten hamburger helper every way you could, it never helped. And I remember what it was like going to an ATM hoping 20 bucks would come out. And I remember going to the gas station needing a full fill up but getting five bucks. And that's not, that, that's not, about, and this is why I hate welfare so much. It's three generations deep now. And, and, and it's such a thief because it'll give you enough money to just squeak, but not enough to go get a job because if you went to get a job, you'd have to pay a sitter. So now you're locked into this thing. And then, and then I heard a girl say one time, I'm going to go get pregnant so I can get an apartment. But that's because it's three generations deep. And they did it on purpose. You want to read a good book, read a book called The History of America in Black and White. Read it and find out how in 1900 they started all this racism on purpose. Anyway. No, 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 no. Free choice, that was to wipe out a nation. Pro-choice, no, no, it was pro-life, man. Anyway. So get off, get off of that. No, I need to, I, like Pastor Paul told me. I, <laughs> <laughs> Blame the guy on the front row. Okay, okay. For, verse 6, again, you know this. For thus says the Lord, in a little while I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I'll shake the nations and the desire of all the nations shall come. In other words, uh, the, the, the nations will have insight, and uh, my goal in this last hour is to bring cosmos out of chaos, just like I did in Genesis 1 and verse 2. The earth was without form, and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God hovered upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. He's going to illuminate this last generation. He's not willing that any should perish, and neither are we. And, you know, he wants us, the devil knows what's coming, and he wants us to fuss and fight with one another. He wants to stop the move of the Spirit of God. And if there's ever a time we need to get together, united we stand. Amen. So he says, but look at this in verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of armies. Why, why do, you know, you ever sit around and watch TV, and, you're, and, and what you're watching on TV now is preachers. They're not preaching your gospel, but they are preaching a gospel. They're showing you all kinds of situations in these programs uh, that, that, that shape the way that you think, the way that you view life, and it's all perverted. But the reason why they're doing it and not the church is because they have the money. But my Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just, but the just have been trying to refuse it, thinking it's humble to be poor. No, can I help you with that? The first thing Jesus said was, I came to preach the good news to the poor. The good news is you don't have to live like that. I've got a better way for you. I, I want to I, I supply your needs and, and your wants and your desires. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 8.18, I told you that I gave you the power in the seed to get wealth that you could establish your covenant, my covenant in the earth. It takes money to save souls. Can you imagine, like I look at Joel Osteen down there in, in, that, uh, in that compact center, I know he gets all kinds of criticism from all kinds of people saying he's gospel light. The people that are saying he's gospel light don't have any gospel at all. They're mostly jealous people. Does he say everything right? No to you? Let, let, no, no, let's zero in on your private life and see how you're doing. Before we pick on a guy that's got 40,000 people in his church, and he's making a difference, and his books are on the bestseller list. And what gives glory to God? What, what gives most glory to God? Living in a school that's 70 years old or in the compact center? Come on, come on, just think about it. And God is saying in the middle of all this, in the middle of all this glory talk, he's saying, the goal, I just want to remind you, the gold and the silver are mine, and I don't want, I don't want the devil to have it. Because the love of money is the root of all evil. I, want, I don't want you to love it, but I want you to have it because it's a great tool and a terrible master. 
So if you're watching and you don't want yours, please send mine. Send it to me. It's P.O. Box 28063, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, New Covenant Ministries Church in Mark. Attention, Pastor Gary. Okay. <laughs> no, it's ridiculous when you think about it. I hate them preaching about money. That's because you covet it yourself. That's because you're in love with it. You can be in love with it and not have a quarter. On the other hand, you can be like the woman with the two mites that Oak gave everybody. Because she gave all she had. She gave from her heart. Wow. What happened to her? We're still talking about her 2,000 years later. I'd like to read about her harvest, but it's not in here. But my Bible says that when you sow, you reap. And she sowed everything. I expect that when you get to heaven, you'll recognize her. Ooh, who is that? That's a woman with the two mites wearing all those crowns and looking so beautiful, looking so fine. Anyway, verse 9, the glory of this latter house shall be, and again, you just need to read Hebrews 3 and verse 6 to know who he's talking about. Whose house are we? The glory of this latter host shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Now, so talking about the glory of the latter house. Whose hosts are we? The glory of you. Let's go to, let's, let's look at John's gospel, John. Big John first. We'll go to little John later, Big John. Chapter two. This is where he turned the water into wine. kind of like what he did with us when he got born again. (laughs) Anyway, in verse 11, it says, this is the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. He manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. So now I want to point out though, but Jesus didn't have any glory of his own. Because he put off, read Philippians chapter 2. He took on the form of a man. He was known as the son of man on earth, not the son of God. He lost his, he did not have his glory. And we can look at that in John chapter 17. Maybe we'll go there. But he didn't have any glory of his own. It was his father's glory. Matter of fact, that veil only lifted a couple of times that we can read about in the New Testament before he, his death, burial, and resurrection. On Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And in John chapter 1, when the heavens opened up and said, when he was water baptized and the veil rent and, and opened up and, and we saw the glory descend upon him. But other than that, other than those couple of times, anyway, he said, this is the beginning of miracles. And why, did he, why, did, why were the miracles manifest? They manifested forth his glory so that the disciples would believe. God wants you to manifest his glory so that people will believe. That's what he wants to do. I remember one time I was praying for, I, we were at a full gospel business meeting in New Minus in the basement of, of this church, or a basement of, a, no, Coe's restaurant. It was Coe's Chinese restaurant. We had meetings in the basement, and I went to pray for this blue-haired lady. Like, I don't know how old she was, but her hair was blue. And when I went to pray for her, she went crash, bang, onto the cement floor. You know, like, like, and I know that you can all talk about experiences like that. What God is saying about those things is, this is where I want you to live. That you can, you know, come on, Jesus said, I am the door you, in me. You can come in and go out and find pasture. He's saying you can step, your, your, your seated place, the weight of your weight, the weight of your glory is Ephesians 2, 6. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Therefore, even your prayer life changes because you're not praying to heaven. You're speaking the word of God from heaven. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ. So you're not saying, oh, God, you, no. It's like, it's like, no, Romans 4, 17. Now I'm going to call those things that be not as though they were. Kids, you line up with the word of God now in the name of Jesus and then rest. Money, I need you right now. You come to me because, I'm, because, because I know my purpose and I'm in the process, and because I know my purpose, everything that's required in my purpose belongs to me, and I'm calling it to me now in the name of Jesus. And if it's being hindered, I know that it's you, devil, and you're a defeated rat. How about John chapter 11? 
this John 11 is so important. It's so important. So important. Verse 40. This is what this, this, this is what you cannot make things happen. You can fall into things or you can flow with things, but your expectation needs to be that I'm a child in an air in a joint air with Jesus. And I expect glory manifestations in my life every day. Nothing happens by coincidence. I was telling some people the other, maybe Thursday night, Tim Hammond. Did I tell this story Thursday night? Well, he's here and he said, you weren't here because you were goofing off doing military stuff. So I'll tell you right now. You were working. <laughs> You're at your job. <laughs> no, no, but, but, he, but I said, Pastor Paul, we need to go for a coffee. And, you know, and if he's got something, he'll say 15 minutes good or whatever. But as soon as I said it, he was out. I saw, I looked out through the window. He was getting his car started. I mean, it was a serious event. And I said, we might as well stop and pick up Joe because he's working from his home office and he's probably got his tongue hanging out too. And so, and so we drove by and got him. And when we got there, Tim was just walking out of Starbucks at Dartmouth Crossing. And so we, he grabbed us the table. We all sat outdoors there, social distancing, of course, and all that. And, um, and uh, I stopped and thought about how many things have to take place in any given day for you to be anywhere. God is in every detail of your life, whether you know it or whether you don't know it. He's, he's working it out. So when you understand that, you don't have to sweat over things. It reminds me of something else I wanted to share with you. Where was that? Okay, talking about the media pandemic, right? These statistics are from January the 1st to May the 10th of this year, okay? Deaths by seasonal flu. Now, remember, there's 7.7 billion people on the planet. 7.7 billion people on the planet. And we're not glorifying any death. It's said that anybody died, but these are statistics, and so, but to see how minuscule things are, okay? So deaths by seasonal flu, 100 and, this is in the entire globe, right? 173,899. Deaths by coronavirus, 282,733. Deaths by malaria, 350,444. Deaths by suicide, 383,122. Deaths by traffic fatalities, 482,284. Deaths from cirrhosis of the liver and other alcohol-related diseases, 893,580. Deaths by smoking, 1,786,037. Deaths by cancer, 2,934,288. Deaths by abortion, 15,189,908. You want to get upset about something? You want to protest something? You want to see how off focus the church has been? <sighs> anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> Did I read John, John 11, 11.40? Jesus said unto her, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see? Now, isn't that the opposite? You know, I'll believe it if I see it. No, if you'll see it. Listen, if you'll believe that God has glorified you, if you'll believe what he, come on. Romans 3.23 says, all of sin. Well, let's, let's stop there for a second. We'll go to Romans chapter 3. I want to get to where you're, you're God's favorite so that you can seal that in your heart and in your mind. Because that's key to doing anything for God. Key. John chapter 3 and verse 23. Yeah, yeah, Roman. Yeah, if you can find John chapter 23, you're a good person. John chapter 3, you're good. Okay, okay. I'm okay now. Um. 
turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, G-A-W-D, God. Did anybody ever preach that to you, when you after you got saved? Oh, all have sinned and fallen. I said, read the next verse. They never shared the next verse. They left me in verse 23. One day I picked up the Bible myself and read the next verse. What does it say? Being justified freely. And that word freely is Doreen, without cause, without condition. Something that you can't earn. Justified freely. How? By his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He came to restore his sons back to glory. He came to redeem you. He came to put the fish back in the water. He claimed to replant the tree back in the dirt so that it could re receive the nutrients and grow. Like the, you see that with Christmas trees. You cut them down, you put them in your house. Throw them out on the street and they still look like they're alive. They don't even know. That's the lot of the church. <laughs> don't even know that they're not hooked up to the source. Stay hooked up. Amen. Okay, so now back to John eleven forty, where he says this. He said, I'm telling you, if you'll believe, if you'll just believe, if you'll just become a believer, instead of a make-believer, if you'll just believe that you're special, John chapter 17, believe that you're special. I'm almost done. John 17 is his high priestly prayer, and, it, and you, somebody ought to write a book on this chapter. But let's just, for the sake of verse 4 of John 17, verse 4, Jesus talking, he said, I have glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work that you gave me to, that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your own self. Glorify me with the glory that I had. You see, he had glory, and he put it aside so that in Acts 10, 38, 8, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, not Christ of heaven, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Well, God's not just with you guys. God is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. No, you got a good deal here. We, we, need to, we need to figure this deal out here. He said, glorify me with the glory that I had in you before the world was. In other words, I put the glory off, and now it's time to put it back on that whole atmosphere of heaven. And again, Ephesians 2, 6, you're seated with him in the glory. Matter of fact, he says, Lord, we won't read through this whole thing here, but he says, I want them to see my glory. Let them be where I am. And he didn't mean when you go to heaven. He meant Ephesians 2 and verse 6, that you would begin to see him. Well, hold on now. Look at verse 22. How about verse 20? This is good that you would see verse 20. Because he said, I'm not praying for those alone, the, the, the 12 disciples, because some people like to go back and say, that was for the early church. No, look at this. Neither do I pray for these alone, but for those also that shall believe on me through their words. We're reading John's words right now. If you believe these words right now, then it's true for you. It's true for you right now, right now. That they all may be one, I can't find any Lone Rangers in here. That they may be one. Come on, if you're a part of a body, <laughs> I don't pray for these alone, but those that believe on the word, and I, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I'm in you, that they also may be in one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory, look at this, and the glory that you gave me, I have given to them. You, you know, you read John 14, 12, and he says, these works will you do also in greater works because I'm going to my Father. This is because the glory's on you and the glory's in you, and the greater works are leading people to the Lord Jesus, maybe. Because I'm thinking, you know, there's nothing greater than raising the dead, and Jesus did that. Like when I read about, he's saying that if there's greater works, it's that I'm an ambassador for Christ now. And I need to expect, just like that woman on Picto Island fell out before I even touched her, I need to be expecting those things in my daily life. That God will minister to people. I'm not saying that they'll fall down all over the place wherever I go. Although they used to do that with 
with, uh, you know, some of the famous preachers that lived long ago. But this, this end time church, he said, he said, the fullness of him will fill you all in all. Ephesians chapter one. He said, he's the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And the fullness of him fills us all in all. So we're not lacking anything. What we're lacking is revelation. That's all we're lacking. And we can get that. The glory that you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world might know that you have sent me and have loved them just like you have loved me. I wrote favorite in my Bible. He loves you exactly like he loves Jesus. That must make you favorite. Hallelujah. Check for a pulse. <laughs> okay. First John, little John chapter four, verse 17. Hmm. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us or for us. Why? Because God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, or telos, mature, that in the day of judgment we, we, we have boldness. But look at this, because as he is, not as he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not as he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but as he is now, there's a bunch of places we can look, but let's just go to Revelation chapter one and see how he is right now. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment from head to foot, and a girdle of gold around his waist. His head and his hairs were white like wool. That's not talking about, it's talking about purity. White like snow. And his eyes were a flame of fire. And his, now as he is, so are we in this world. What do you look like in the spirit? The devil doesn't want you to find out who you really are. Once he finds, once you find out who you are in the spirit, he's not coming anywhere near your house. He'll go bother your neighbor. His feet were like fine brass that burned in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. Come on. Look at verse 17. When I saw him, I fell as dead. <laughs> as he is now, as he is now, so are we in this world. John 1140 is the key. Martha, I told you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God. And then he raised, then he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus sent the disciples out and said, heal the sick, raise the dead. What? Did he say that? Who was he talking to? At first he had 12 disciples in Luke chapter 9. I read in Luke chapter 10, it says, then he sent out 70 more with the same assignment. And then after he died, he said, I'm the firstborn among many brethren. Now I'm sending you out to be the same as I was. No, not the same as I was, as I am right now. Ezekiel chapter 1 says he was fire from the loins up and fire from the loins down. Why do you think in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Ghost sat on you and, and cloven tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them? Why do you think that happened? Because you, don't, you, you, you keep looking at the, the shell, the, the peanuts inside. You're wall-to-wall, Holy Ghost. And then he said, Christ in you. Christ in you. Looking around everywhere. And he's sitting up on the inside saying, let me out. Watch me move through you if you just dare to believe. You can turn water into wine. Jesus said, when I walked in the, on the water, I was the son of man. 
That's why Peter walked on the water too. But now you're a son of God. All of creation is waiting for a manifestation. They're groaning, waiting. You look at the news. I don't, I'm not looking at it anymore. As a matter of fact, I shut down Facebook. I didn't have enough of this. Social media, social trash. Anyway, so, so you look at all that, and you're thinking, wait now. All of creation is groaning. They're in travail. They don't have any answers. People are looking to governments for answers. The government is confused and divided as everybody else. And the church has the answer. The church is the answer. All of creation is waiting for a manifestation of you. Getting out of here and into here. Sometimes we just got to forget what we know. Our preset. It's like I remember one time the Lord said this to me months and months ago. He said, Gary, when they come into church, they already made, it up, made up their minds what they're going to believe. And anything that you bring out that crossways with that, they'll fight it because it messes up their equilibrium. But if you want something different, you're going to have to dare to think different. You no, know, if you just want to keep getting what you always got, keep doing what you always do. But if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. And when I read my Bible, I have the idea that it might be something really stupid. No, no, come on, Naaman in, King, Naaman in Kings chapter 5. He said, if you had to told me to climb some mountain, I'd gladly do it. But he wants me to go dip in that dirty Jordan River seven times. And the first time, the second time, pride almost kept him from his healing because he wouldn't do something that he hadn't seen done before because he wouldn't go somewhere he hadn't gone before. He was going to go back home and live and die with his disease because he wouldn't change his mind. Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be informed by social media but be transformed, metamorphosis, by the Word of God. If you think you already know the Word of God, let me help you. I've been studying that book for 40 years, and there's more in there that I don't know than I know. Don't get puffed up. Get deflated. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humility is where it all starts. And then recognizing that God wants to use you God wants to move in this place, not just through a pastor on the pulpit. He wants everybody in this church moving and flowing in the Holy Ghost. And, and it was noised abroad that he was in the house. That's, that's evangelism of a city, too. It was noised abroad that he was in the house. When people find out that he's in the house, and we're not anymore. <laughs> no, Galatians 2.20, we've been crucified. We've been to the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. And okay, God, I'm yielding myself to you. Whatever you want me to do now, whatever you want me to do next, I'll do. I dare you to pray that. <laughs> no, that's a gutsy prayer. God, whatever you want me to do, and whenever you want me to do it, I'll do it. <sighs> what a prayer. No, no, but he's lots of Savior. But how much Lord? He could literally take you today and feed 5,000 people with your lunch. Think about it. By the way, where are you going for lunch? No more. <laughs> Get people back in the flesh. That's how easy it is, right? Adam was led by the spirit, soul, and body. The church, a lot of times, is body, soul, and spirit. Especially when it gets close to lunchtime, people start saying, mm. I hope he's done soon. I hope he's done soon. When you get to a place, I watched Ben Priest do this. Ben said, Gary, you have to get past your flesh. Like I was in a meeting with him and Billy Brim was preaching and I was worn out. I mean, no, I'm not being negative about Billy Brim. Please don't misunderstand me. But she was going for hours. And I was wanting to go back to my hotel over in Prattville and go back to bed. Ben said, Gary, if you can just get past your flesh. He <laughs> He said, if you can just sit that extra 15 or 20 minutes and get past your flesh and not let your flesh dictate what you're going to do next, you'll experience God in levels you've never experienced him before. Yeah. 
How many of you know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is still wanting lunch? <laughs> still wanting to go to bed at 11.30 at night after being in the meetings all day. I know. But I watch Ben's spiritual growth. Somebody walks up to you and shoves a 12-gauge shotgun up your chin and says, I'm going to pull the trigger, and you say, go ahead, I'm already dead. I mean, if you all want to do that. That's revelation. That's not head knowledge of the word. That's a revelation. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.